Derp. Nostalgia. Oh, boy. Let's do it. Derp. Nostalgia. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hello. L2L. Learning to listen. We're talking about music and the way we listen to music. We're trying to engage with the music we listen to. We're all about the lost art of engaged listening. So that is why we are talking about albums and consuming the album. 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 I'm going to say that a bunch of different ways. You can do whatever you want with it, Charlie. Album <laughs> as a whole artistic statement, the way artists intended. This isn't a biography show. Instead, this is just a pure guttural and visceral reaction to the music we are listening to. My name is Quinn. I've got my hosts with me. DJ Charlie Scream. Charlie Scream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, the few times I've been in a club where the DJ is hitting their, their name drop all the time. Yeah. You know, it'd be hilarious if that's the way it came in. <laughs> <laughs> Way better. All right. And Naomi, uh, how's it going? Sorry, I didn't have yours set up. I was waiting for <laughs> Charlie to tell you how I'm doing. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, off the rails already. <laughs> but that's okay, because today we're doing an episode of Derp Nostalgia. <laughs> you know, Naomi's got this show called Dope Nostalgia, where she explores artists and things from the 90s and you know what they're doing now and all sort of stuff and i was just thinking you know i'm not the biggest nostalgia guy all the time because i'm like sometimes i feel like stuff doesn't always hold up you know <laughs> sometimes i move on sometimes just because i loved it once doesn't mean i'll love it again right T- things are time and place sort of thing mm-hmm. so you know this is like the dark side of dope nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> this is where nostalgia goes wrong <laughs> um so before we get into it uh patreon.com slash learning to listen uh that's where you can really help us out episodes go out early there's all kind of bonus content uh and archived episodes too so stuff that's getting pulled off our back end of our catalog that's where it's getting put up it's the only place you can get it patreon.com slash learning to listen now i haven't said what album we're doing yet mm-hmm. but there's a little bit of a backstory to this one of the reasons that I wanted to do this was based on a conversation that me and Charlie had once many <laughs> ages ago, where I was think I was talking about the concept of like, you ever, you know, put an album on or watch a movie or something like that. Take, you know, trying to enjoy some piece of media or music that you enjoyed once as a child or years ago. And you're like, ah, oh, man, this just doesn't hold up. You used to hold and, it near and dear to your heart. Then Charlie mm-hmm. immediately brought up this example the band Tiger Army. Now, Charlie and I, when we met uh, and started playing music together, with the friends and, and musicians we were hanging out with, especially the people in our band, Tiger Army was required listening. Mm-hmm. And this album in particular, their debut 1990 album, 1999 album, excuse me, uh, was listened to quite frequently. And listening back to it, just recently, I realized not just how much we were obviously listening to it, but how much we were obviously ripping it off. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the music we were writing at the time had a lot of elements. And I don't even think that I was that 
aware that it like you know that conscious of doing it it was right. more of just like pick up a guitar and try and make it make like sound good and you're making it sound like the stuff you've been listening to you can't help yourself right mm-hmm. um anyway we listen to this album a lot and i don't know then it went by the wayside for whatever reason new music new records came out you know this band didn't put out a lot for a while so i think they were just kind of left by the wayside as we forgot about them and moved on with our lives and then you said charlie that you put it on in the office yeah for whatever reason i don't know what what were you what what was the reason that you put it on i think somebody just reminded me of it or i just i thought i was like oh yeah that's something i i haven't listened to this album since probably since back in in its heyday when we were listening to it like all the time mm-hmm. and uh, i threw it on and, okay uh, and, yeah and then you told me what happened is that you suddenly got very self-conscious <laughs> <laughs> Felt kind of embarrassed that you were listening to it. Yeah, it did not hold the same, the gravitas as before for me at all. And I was like, and after a song or two, I was just like, just fade that out and put something else on. <laughs> no, this is a situation where you guys were like, you just all listen to the same music or? Yeah, okay. So I think this would have been, I think this would have been back, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's back when I was at View Weekly. So, you know, just throw something on and there's two or three people that can hang out and, you know, you just like, you know, you pick an album, somebody else picks an album, that kind of thing, right? And I would have been like, oh, yeah, I used to love this band. Here, check this out, Tiger Army. And then I put it on and I was like, eh, maybe you pick something else, you know, like <laughs> eh, after a song or two. I mean, you know, it starts off all right, I think, but I think, uh, yeah. Okay, well. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, I guess. That's why I we're guess, here. Yeah, that's why we're here. I'll, I guess the question that maybe I'll put to you because I, I, I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but this is, I feel like I was just as guilty of being championing this record and this band back in the day. Um, but uh, so, you know, I have some insight about it too. Um, just, yeah, like, what was it when this album was new to you when it came out in 1999 and we were listening to it around that era, probably early two thousands, mm-hmm. you know, they had a couple records out that I remember we were listening to their second album power moonlight uh, was also, you know, was in the rotation as well. But what do you think it was that appealed about this album at the time? I'd say, I mean, the style was different for sure, because it would have been, and I mean, I know there's a lot more psychobilly type stuff that we could talk about, but I feel like this was one of the big ones that, you know, lots of, lot, an entrance into that sort of an area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this, a lot of, a lot of the style, like physical, like, like visual style as well. And, uh, you know, the big stand up bass trio kind of deal. Uh, I think a lot of that kind of stuff really appealed at the time. Okay. Okay. Well, I just wanted to give a little bit more context for this because, you know, I'm kind of putting you on the spot before Mm -hmm. I got into it. But for people listening who are like, what the fuck band are they talking about again? Tiger Army? Who are they? Uh, Well, so Tiger Army uh, is an American psychobilly band based in Los Angeles, California. The group was formed in 1996 in Berkeley, California, and its only constant member is singer, guitarist, and lead songwriter Nick 13. Um, you know, the band has released about six albums and four EPs is what they have up here. The album we're specifically talking about, their debut album, uh, Tiger Army, uh, is the first full-length release by this band, uh, released in October 26, 1999. Uh, the band had previously recorded a vinyl EP in 1996 and came to the attention of Tim Armstrong, the 
owner of Hellcat Records. Armstrong contacted Tiger Army's lead singer Nick 13, interested in the band recording an album. Although Nick 13 did not initially have a confirmed lineup for the band, the studio lineup consisted of himself. Drummer Adam Carson borrowed from AFI. People probably know who AFI are. Uh, and uh, bassist Rob Helchier from The Quakes. Um, so, you know, that tells you a little bit about Tiger Army. Now, people are probably going like, what the, what the fuck is Psychobilly? What is Psychobilly? <laughs> Psychobilly, to sum it up, is basically the a punk rock version of Rockabilly. Yeah. Minor chords, distorted guitars, uh, but it has a lot of influence from early rock and roll, Rockabilly, and country. And some of the famous, not that they'd be famous to anybody who isn't in the know, but like you may have heard of bands like Reverend Horton Heat, um, probably one of the more popular psychobilly bands. Um, there's also, you know, the, the, the big names of psychobilly are like bands like the meter meteors, meteors uh, yeah. demented Argo, yeah. the quakes as mentioned, uh, mad sin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's a kind of a sub genre. So Tim Armstrong signing them to Hellcat, Hellcat being a small punk rock label, you know, part of the subculture makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So now that that's all been said and done, Charlie gave a little bit of context about where you were listening to this and why you were like a little bit embarrassed and you're like, okay, like, but you know, I get it. When I was a kid, it, it appealed and I can totally understand because I, I'm with you, man. I was there listening to this album with you and it checked all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Like at the time, it was sonically a lot different than a lot of other music we were listening to. Totally. I mean, I was already familiar with a band like Reverend Horton Heat. So this cut to me kind of fit into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I found Reverend Horton Heat a little more diverse than Tiger Army, but this is cool, you know, and coming from a punk rock world where, you know, like some of the, like the misfits where you've got that, like that take on that slightly overwrought drippy reverb lead vocal like um like a glenn danzig or whatever right well what if you were to take a glenn danzig and put him in uh like a you know a rockabilly thing or whatever and the imagery of b movies and and you know hot rod culture and and the cover of this album comes from some movie from the 1930s called bring them back or something like that bring them back alive you know, I loved it. I remember thinking, man, I'd love to get that fucking tiger tattooed on my arm. You know, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't, but I thought about it. You know, I mean, just so as I'm long gonna... as you didn't actually get the band's name as well, then it would still probably be okay. Only yeah. a small portion of people would know. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, the thing is, is at the time, too, it was this was a little bit of a way to justify our taste in other genres of music that wouldn't necessarily be cool to our friends. Right. But, you know, they hear... So there's a song on this album called Outlaw Heart. Yeah. Which is basically their country song. It's got pedal steel on it. It's got a little bit of like a, a minor chord, like Western Marty Robbins kind of thing going on, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and my punk rock friends who were cool with this band in this album and then subsequently cool with that song and then, then i'm like oh i can also sneak in a little bit of like the real deal country you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah for sure you know, it was it uh it 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 justified and reinforced my my love of other genres of music including country music and old school rock and roll they cover 20 flight rock on this album which is a rockabilly standard right mm-hmm. eddie cochran um yeah 
it, it was like, oh yeah, no, okay, it's cool, it's cool, <laughs> it's cool to like, you know, in fact, it's so cool, it's punk rock, right? You know, right. I get it, I get why this made it into into our record collections. So then I have to ask the person in the room who I'm guessing had never heard of this band before, has never listened to it. Nope. Because since you're the removed third party and, you know, your reaction to this is going to be very, uh, very genuine, very visceral. What did you think, Naomi, of Tiger Army? Well, first thing I was wondering why, like, why was this chosen? I was looking forward to hearing the story of why this was chosen because I didn't understand anything about them or never heard of them. Nothing. So they put on a first couple songs there and I'm like, <clears throat> um, okay, this just sounds like punk. <laughs> I didn't. Now I understand once you explained what psychobilly is that um, I can see that the difference between that and just your regular punk genre. Um, but I found like a lot of the songs I was listening to, um, like I'd listen to some of them and then I move on to the next one. Cause they, a lot of them sounded the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a couple exceptions to that where the tempo changed up a bit and it was, you know, something different, but, um, yeah, this isn't a genre that I know much about. It's not a genre that I've really listened to before. Cause I'm not really a big fan of it, but, uh, now I get to know the story of what this band's about, which is cool. Well, okay. So the thing that I noticed about this, Charlie, was now like, well, maybe I'll ask you. So did you listen to it again, Charlie? Yes. Okay. And did it was it any better this listen or was it just as cringy to you as the last time you listened to it? I feel like it was a bit better this time around. You were being maybe a because little- I wasn't trying to put it on display or anything, you know, like I wasn't trying to be like, hey, guys, check this out. Here's something I actually I literally haven't listened to in years and years. Right. But it was just like just for me, just in my headphones. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I could take three or four songs out of here now and still be all like, yeah, that was pretty good. But as far as like it's a you know 13 song album, that's still a bit much for me. Yeah. Um, OK, so I do have some thoughts uh, and I, I just want to know, Naomi, when you were listening to it and you were going like, well, I, I'm looking forward to hearing why they like this. Was it because you're going like, why did they like this? What is wrong with these? Well, guys? Why did, you know, why did they want? <laughs> I'm more like, why don't you like it anymore? Because I'm thinking like I can see the influence in you guys as musicians from listening to this. I can see the connection. So my question to you guys basically is why is it derp now? Like why? Why, why isn't it as good to you anymore? Well, I would. Okay. That's a good question. And uh, I would say, I'm going to put that to Charlie a little bit more. I, I have some theories, but, uh, but what made you self-conscious about it the last time you were listening to it, Charlie, that made it into this, you know, um, I, what's his, what's, what's, what's the Nick 13, his voice. It's a, it's a double, it's a one, two punch, Nick 13's voice, mm-hmm. which I can stand for a couple of songs, but you know, by the time you get a couple of songs deep and like Naomi was saying, it's all the same, like a lot of the same tempo and a lot of the same tricks. It really starts to grate on me and not saying that I don't love a good amount of like stand up bass, but the thinness of the stand up bass, because it just sounds like a woodblock, like it's supposed to, because it's a stand up bass. And then the gratingness of Nick 13's vocals really just, greats on you so 
okay i listened to it last night and you know i was kind of with you at first thinking like oh yeah after you told me about it not holding up and i thought back to it, and i was like i don't know if it would hold up or not <laughs> i remember i i was hanging out we were hanging out and i found like a couple of old like mix cds that i'd made around this time yeah like yeah. the early early 2000s and i had a couple of tiger army songs on there mixed in with a whole bunch of other stuff though sure and uh maybe that's when you told me maybe that's when you were like oh man i can't really like <laughs> yeah oh boy <laughs> and you know yeah i was like yeah yeah i yeah you're probably right it probably doesn't hold up and that's exactly what i thought of too was mostly nick 13's overwrought vocal performance yeah. where he is just constantly in this whiny like oh you know like <laughs> it, it's it, and listening back to it i was like okay it's not a very dynamic vocal performance right. it's not terrible um it's interesting to me that like you know that he was hooked up with the guys from afi and davy havoc even um guests on this album doing some backup vocals mm-hmm. um i like that their idea of backup vocals it's just going like wow yeah <laughs> never harmonies <laughs> That's punk rock harmonies, yeah. Well, I mean, but, no, yeah. not. there, there but, are. But I was like, because that. basically, yeah. Davey Havoc took the same vocal approach. Yeah. You know, just maybe a little like, um, little not heavier, but a little more, just a little more yellier. Right. Like Nick 13 are <laughs> trying to be a little like a little more more melodic singer, but basically that same like every it's all these dragged out like whoa 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 right vocals yeah, yeah. all the time. Davey Havoc took that same thing and went in this like super gothy direction and AFI blew up and became this huge band. Right? Sure. Uh, around this time they were, they hadn't put out like that, the, you know, black sales or whatever it was. Maybe this is around all hello hollows EP where they covered the misfits or something. Mm-hmm. But AFI started off as this like Southern California, hardcore band. And by around this area, they kind of went in a spooky kid, you know, horror punk, uh, like direction and then or you know i don't know maybe it was hanging out with nick 13 that brought out like that uh the real gothy kid <laughs> in uh in davy havoc but all of a sudden he started like wearing eyeliner and and you know like dyeing his hair black and 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 hanging it in his face and then next thing you know you've got afi that got, got real big for a while in the mainstream right right you know basically doing the same thing difference is yeah you're right it's it's not it's not the over the top slap back like echo reverb on all the vocals all the time, always. Right. Right. Like it's always the same echo. Um, the it's not an upright bass that I would argue that upright bass doesn't necessarily have to sound thin, but this no, one does. That's true. This one definitely does though. This is all this is all uh like fingerboard pickup, all percussive, because if they're going for that psychobilly sound, you really want to hear the strings slap against the fingerboard. And then the drums are the drums or whatever, like they're nothing, but everything gets washed out in just the, the amount of echo and reverb, you know, you know, and then there I, you get it. They're going for this like real old school 50 sun records, tape delay, Dwayne Eddy, you know, kind of sure. like reverby sound to get that old school rock and roll thing. But uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a limit to it too. Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you just washed everything out. Um, I would say, yeah album is a little bit repetitive um and yeah i could see where you're like oh man yeah at the time being a teenager i'm a little more accepting of the 
the emo-ness of this whole <laughs> yeah. album. Yeah. Even though the songs aren't necessarily like emo in theme, they're, you know, he's making references to like werecats and things from, you know, the dead, and, you know, every <laughs> song, every man manages to get like a tiger army never dies and like a lot yeah. of songs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. There's there's lyrics that are conflicting that's pretty funny because he talks about how it's like uh, you know everybody's going to die and eventually when we like you know cross that that plane or whatever but then the outro of the song is have them going never die never die I'm like what, what do you what you what do you mean never die like you die but you never die do you do you mean that you like you know they're obviously talking about ghosts and shit right it's all spooky stuff <laughs> but, very spooky very spooky but I would say the worst crime of this album is not the music itself i would say that it's just an amateur ish production okay yeah i would say that you know it's made me curious to go back like i i listened to it and maybe i was a little bit of a victim of nostalgia you know but at the same time i was like yeah okay not this whole record all the time always but there's mm. some good stuff on here like you know and at the same time too right i was listening to it on my own by myself mm-hmm. not sharing it with a room full of people suddenly getting very self-conscious about the choice i had made so you know i get to enjoy it in a personal way and yeah there was a couple of things that became very prevalent to me at the at that moment and it was one that i'm like yeah this is an amateurish production through and through this is a guy who got his first chance to get in the studio produced it himself right mm-hmm. you know like i don't think that hellcat budget was a huge budget right <laughs> but tim armstrong's calling and being like hey man you can make a record with my label and you go no like yeah you say yes even though you don't really have a band he had made like a kind of a demo and released like an ep yeah. and out of his own money but it got the attention of tim armstrong and he got to make a record so he threw a band together and went in the studio and did it and without a producer you know to spend that money on the album himself he produced it himself and he just did what he thought it should sound like yeah tons of reverb to make sure you hear all the strings on the on the on the, the percussiveness of the upright bass and yeah you go yeah a lot woo and then <laughs> and you bring in and you bring and you bring in uh you know because now that you're hanging out with adam carson you bring in a davy havoc to help out and do some uh do some backup vocals or whatever sure. right like why not yeah, so I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's that deserving of the derp label. I think. I mean, it's... I will. I will concede that, like, uh, Outlaw Heart and Nocturnal still, at least when I heard when I was listening to it on my headphones, still hold up for sure. You know, and maybe another song or two. And I mean, the cover of Twenty Flight Rock is okay. But mm-hmm. it's by no means the best cover of Twenty Flight Rock I've ever heard. But it's oh, neat. For sure. <laughs> and then there and there are many. So I don't think it holds up to the original. No, of course not. No. Um and listening to it last night too, I realized how you know, playing it a little bit faster than the original. And it comes in at one one minute and thirty-four seconds. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure the original is a is a three minute song. Sure. So it's doing it twice as fast. He can't get all the words out in the chorus. <laughs> Where it's like, you know, so I climbed up one, two, three, five, four, five, you know, whatever, six flight more. Like he can't get the, he can't get the numbers out. He's like little mush mouthing over the numbers to try and get them in the, like in the take, right? In the vocal take. So it's interesting. Um, There's, you know, like listening to it last night too. And then uh, especially a song like Outlaw Heart. And I was like, God, we had a song in our band, the B-movies. 
Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, was pretty much ripped this. And I didn't even think I realized it at the time how much. And now looking <laughs> back, I'm like, oh my God, we ripped this song off. Yeah. 100% yeah. from the guitar line that starts at the beginning, that did that kind I of mean, spaghetti Western ish thing. I'm like, we did that. At that time, we were pretty big fans of it, I think. So. I know, but like I don't think it was intentional. It was not. A, we were no. going. We didn't go into the into the jam space and go like, "Hey, you know that song Outlaw Heart?" Yeah, let's just like, like do that. that. But like <laughs> change the lyrics or something. No, I think we just sat down and tried to make music, and because of what we'd been listening to, stuff like this came out. Yeah, but so. even just the way that he's playing the guitar, you know that big, that big open corded Gretsch, Boom. you know, sound with a lot of Bigsby like tremolo, and then of course just dripping in reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it sounded pretty cool. It's it's got the it's got a kind of more modern distortion on it that separates it from, you know, other kind of like um, earlier examples of like rockabilly and and, and such. But uh, the thing that I'm thinking is mostly missing from this is guitar solos. Okay, yeah, there was not you know, a lot of those. Yeah, it gets really repetitive with just like a lot of the open chording changes. Sure. Yeah, I find um, that annoying. It's a lot of the same choices with like seven chords. And, you know, I think I learned because of this kind of music, I learned a lot of like seven chords. <laughs> I would say that the, 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 the most egregious thing about this album, though, is that when you have the Brian Setzers and the Stray Cats and the Reverend Horton Heats in the world, and even other more straight up like psychobilly bands or whatever, that, that this just doesn't really like live up to them right you know like because you can still listen you can go back and listen to a brian setzer or a reverend horton heat and you're like yeah i, I still well, get it there's diversity of the music like brian setzer might be a little more one note sometimes but like but you know at least there's shredding guitar solos all over everything sure. things interesting uh reverend horton heat there's a real diversity in the choices and, all over uh, the place yeah <laughs> yeah like in the styles of music it's like you know like like rockabilly might be the basis you know, and he takes it in a psychobilly direction, but like, you know, he, he dips his foot in all kinds of genres. These guys, you know, it's not totally one note, like, a, like the cover of 20 uh, flight rock and outlaw heart, you know, change it up a little bit. And yeah. there's a couple of songs on here that are a little more just straight up punk rock, you know, except that they're played on, on more traditional rockabilly style instruments or whatever. But I, you know, it just made me think, Mick, I should I catch up with this band and see where they're at? Like, did anything change? It's like Nick 13 in a revolving cast of of uh, players. <laughs> but, you know, like they've put out uh, music just as recently as 2018 or 2019, excuse me. And I don't think I've heard anything past the third album, which came out in 2004. That's probably around the time that I was like, you know, moving Listen, on. I, I think if a band at one point in your life meant a lot to you, that um, I think it's always a good idea to check out the new stuff they're doing, whether you like it or not, just to, just to see. Just yeah, to see. see if they've grown. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah. 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 They might yeah. have grown along with you, you know? Sure. Well, yeah, I feel, who, okay, for, in, 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 for, for Tiger Army's sake, I do remember following along up until their third album, Ghost Tigers Rise. And then that's where I kind of fell off because I don't remember liking that album very much. Now, maybe if I go back and listen, maybe I, maybe I find something totally new in there for sure. But at the time, that was kind of like, a, eh, I think I'm over these guys now kind of thing, right? Yeah, I hear you. I, I think I'm in the same boat. And I'm wondering what it was around that time that it was like, this just isn't the sound that we're like as appealing anymore. It would have been, it came out in 20, 2004. 
yeah like what were we listening to or doing like at this point we're definitely playing playing punk rock in our in our punk rock band going sure. out and playing punk rock shows <laughs> so we were definitely still you know kind of cribbing notes from at least their earlier records and not just these guys other guys as yeah, well yeah. but but uh but yeah i had I, I remember having the same reaction where i was like ah, i'm just not digging it anymore and like i i don't know you know if it, it's just i moved on to other genres or other types of music or or just the aesthetic just wasn't hitting the same as it, it had at first mm-hmm. yeah for sure i it's hard to say i really don't know i mean i would say i would be interested enough to try to to to, to spin a track or two and see right but mm-hmm. maybe that's a different kind of episode for a different for another time you know what i mean yeah i hear you i hear you um yeah, I you, like I said, you know what though? They, these guys definitely had influence on us and what we were doing. <laughs> I think maybe they were more of a gateway into other stuff. Sure. You know, I'd already been listening to some of this other stuff like uh, Reverend Horton Heat and whatnot. But like I was saying, I think listening to a band like Tiger Army and then having them do a song like Outlaw Heart legitimized some of the other stuff I was listening to. So then maybe I felt less self-conscious about that stuff. Right. So I could start being like, hey, um, fuck it, we're covering johnny cash now right <laughs> well here, here's the thing here's an interesting thing and i because i thought i just thought of another um album that was a huge influence at least for for quinn and myself uh which was hank williams the third straight to hell and that mm. came out in 2006 okay so so i think we were a little we were bit later the... but that was definitely a milestone record i would say for in a similar way too where it, it legitimized not just our taste in country, but also brought together our tastes in, in like metal and punk rock. Right. Right. Because he managed with that record to, to really solidify a lot. But when did the re- record before that come out? Lovesick, Broken, Drifting. If that came out in 2004, then I think I can tell you uh, exactly what happened. <laughs> because I really jumped on board Hank Williams, the third or Hank three, as he prefers to go by. Um, uh, love, love, sick, broke, and drifting was two thousand two. Okay, so so we would have probably happened was that I probably came, <laughs> I probably came to that record around two thousand and four. Is probably when I caught on to it, and then all of a sudden that really like that 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 perked my ear right up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the kind of little things that they were doing on this record, like an outlaw hard or whatever, was being done better and more genuine by a guy with you know I don't know if you could say better production, but the but it sounded cooler Mm -hmm. and aesthetically i think i resonated a little more with that at the time and i moved away from like these guys who were just like trying to be these crybaby you know (laughs) like throwback 1950s like teen idol types with their you know greasy slick back hair and i was like yeah i'm just gonna go right for well you know why did they call it rockabilly in the first place or right. even therefore psychobilly because it was hillbilly music right it was hillbillies mm-hmm. that rocked or rock you know hillbillies playing rock and roll that sort of thing rockabilly and <laughs> i think i just lean more to the hillbilly right yeah i mean that makes sense but you know still not saying that wasn't important for for what we you know got from it at the time right well but i, I was only just going to say that because that solidified you know my tastes 
or justified, I should say, not solidified, but justified a lot of my tastes in a lot more traditional country music is sure. Like that's where I, I, I ended up being like, eh, I'm going to go for the real deal. Right. Not these, not these Southern California punks <laughs> <laughs> just getting tattoos and slicking back their hair. That's not what it's about. It's about, <laughs> it's about rhinestones and, <laughs> and suits and steel guitars. And yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it, uh, I guess I don't know. What do you guys think, Charlie? Does it hold feel, up or nah? Feel like it holds up better than I thought it did. So, I mean, it's not still not something I'm going to throw on a ton or anything like that. But it holds up better if you pick pick some shots from it as opposed to like the whole lot of it. You know, it's better, not best. Yeah. Okay. Um, like Naomi, I don't know. It, like I doubt it's making it into your record collection, but oh yeah, yeah, you, you know me. But I mean, uh, I think it would be beneficial knowing more about them now to actually listen to it again with a different opinion or like having a, some kind of background mentally on what, what I'm listening yeah. to. Yeah. Well, what I so, thought was interesting about this is that this comes out of a whole <clears throat> '90s scene in Southern California. You know, that yep. bands like No Doubt came out of. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, right? Like, yeah. Um. So. It, be relevant to to your interests, you know. Just to know <laughs> to know the background this is of relevant of, to my interests. <laughs> yeah, to the to the the background of of that that whole scene that that birthed a few things that went on to be pretty big, like a band like Sublime or whatever. You know, right. now both of those examples I gave have their foot in the ska punk world, right? But they they aren't dissimilar worlds, right? They're all based out of this Southern California hardcore scene that developed through the eighties and then into the nineties, kind of solidified itself with some you know small but mighty labels as mm. epitaph uh, fat records and in this case hellcat were three very influ- influential and uh, important labels that i believe in are all still exist in some capacity and are, are still putting music out so mm. so this is just a little piece of hellcat history i think the first time i heard tiger army was probably on one of the give them boot compilations give yeah. them the boot compilation i was just looking at and i was wondering if there's any if that somehow seeped into our brains for the for the for our band name in any way, just stealing the give them part, you know, give them. Well, because that's how as we do. As far as give them hell goes, I that's a that's an old. Yeah, give them hell is an old school saying for sure. Yeah. So I don't think the give them the boot. I mean, maybe maybe it was like, yeah, it's cool to use give them in a name because this punk rock compilation has give them on it. I don't know. I don't think that was part of the decision though. Um. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I I think it holds up better than i thought it would yeah i would i i was ready to be kind of think it was kind of cringy and i was putting off listening to it a little bit because i was like oh i don't want this to be that bad (laughs) don't ruin it no but you know just to be like oh what was i thinking when i was younger oh god and i was like no i kind of get what i was thinking i see the appeal I don't think this is the best effort there was but you know what i got to give it to a guy who got in the studio and made his record you know and then he went on to make more records that you know maybe were a little more diverse or not i don't know i'll have to look into what the direction really was um i just personally moved on in my taste a little bit but like i yeah yeah it it, it, it holds up better than it doesn't i'll put it that way <laughs> so so if you're listening to this and you're a big tiger army fan and you like you guys don't shit about shit hey listen 
they they're all right. <laughs> they're all right. Yeah, it's That's... not so bad, I guess. But if you are a big Tiger Army fan and uh, you want to tell us about it, you let us know that you're angry and mad, then you got to go to our website, find all those places you can get a hold of us, those things, you know, on those social media sites and uh, reach out and tell us about it. Uh, how can they find those sites, Charlie? Hey, just go to ltlpodcast.com. Right on. And if you want to, you know, tell us off in more of a personal way, why don't you use the telephone? You know, like, like these guys are always talking about like telephones ringing and stuff like that, as if like they were even answering ringing telephones in 1999. Right. So like, Hey, pretend it's like, just has it on vibrate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pretend, pretend it's the 1950s. Pick up the phone and call us. How can they uh, call us Naomi? Make it vibrate at 780-851-8785. Right on, right on. Vibrate. All right. What else you guys want to plug Charlie? Oh, come on down to oldmandesign.com. We got all kinds of t-shirt designs and we got one just for you. Which one? I don't know. You got to go check it out and find it out. Maybe it's a L2L podcast t-shirt. Maybe it's a conspiracy podcast t-shirt. We got all kinds of podcast t-shirts there if you want them. Just go to oldmandesign.com and we'll get you sorted. Right on. And Naomi, the less derpy side of the 90s, the more dope side of the 90s. We're going to turn from derpy to dope at Dope Nostalgia Podcast. You can check it out at dope nostalgia pod, or dopenostalgia.com. And the guest we have coming up in the week or two is the godfather of Latin rap. Mellow Man Ace will be on the show. Ooh, Latin rap. Mm-hmm. Does, he, does he rap in like in Spanish or Portuguese? Uh, depends on the song, I think. His big hit was that Mentorosa. And then um, I know he did some stuff with his brother who's in Cypress Hill. So oh, cool. Cool. That is cool. All right, cool. Uh, speaking of cool, the coolest is if you go to patreon.com slash learning to listen. If you want to be the coolest, then help us out. Okay. And tell you what, we're real cool. So we're going to be cool back to you. We're going to give you episodes early. We're going to give you archived episodes. We're going to give you bonus content, all kinds of stuff, because we're the coolest. All right. So you want to be cool? Patreon.com slash learning to listen. You definitely said cool. cool way too many times. <laughs> I was, it's a bit. I was working on a bit. Okay. I know. I know. I know. Supposed to, you're supposed to yes and to Charlie. Yes oh, and. God. God, you're terrible at. Okay. Well, wrong. then, yes and. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. No, no thanks to Charlie, but thank everybody listening for being so cool <laughs> and uh, hanging out with us today. Uh, I think what we're doing next is we're going to get back into our greatest albums of all time, according to Rolling Stones, a list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. We're talking the top 100, and we're going to be doing number 89, Erica Badu's Baduism. <laughs> Does that deserve the goat, Charlie? I don't, I don't know. Well, it's on the list, isn't it? Your timing is weird. <laughs> I feel like that was a comment on Erica Badu. <laughs> <laughs> she's wicked awesome yeah well we'll find out we'll find out save it for the the podcast all right so that's what we're doing so um yeah uh i i don't know what do you what what do you do when you uh you're making a record and uh you know you don't want to hurt your perfectly coiffed hair right you, do? you gotta put the headphones on i don't know do you wrap it up <laughs> <laughs> Good, good.
And why did Tammy Wynette record a song with an electro dance band that topped the charts? Two genres that specifically defined the 90s. What were freestyle and new jack swing all about? Did you know that Blossom star Joey Lawrence had a huge pop hit? Or that Alanis Morissette had a really hot pop career in Canada before Jagged Little Pill? Special guests will also be joining me to discuss the great era of glitter, grunge, thin eyebrows, hammer pants, and total ridiculousness. We're even setting up some interviews with some of the musicians that define the times. Okay, so if you're older than 30, you might be sitting here going, man, I totally remember that song, but I have no idea who does that. Well then, you better listen and find out. I'm Naomi Carmack host of the Ultimate 90s podcast, Dope Nostalgia. You're going to be busting a move again, coming in early 2020. You want to follow us so that you know when we go live? Check out our Twitter at Nostalgia Dope, or you can find us on Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. If you've got a question or you just want to be on the show, email us at Dope Nostalgia Podcast at gmail.com.